Hello and welcome. My guest today is Sarah Townsend, who is a freelance copywriter and a best-selling author. Sarah has been on before when we were talking about her book, Survival Skills for Freelancers. And this time she's returning with the um, second best-selling book under her belt of The Little Book of Confusables. So, Sarah, thank you very much for coming back. And obviously, congratulations on the new book. What are Confusables? Um, firstly, thank you so much, and it's lovely to be here. Um, a confusable is basically any language or spelling blind spot that you have. So quite often those are the common ones that we have all seen in Facebook posts, <laughs> got wrong so many times in people's emails and people's social posts. And those are things like practice, let's, your, their, it's, does it's have an apostrophe or not, let's, the same. So those are the kind of obvious ones that people know about. Stationary, is it with an E or an A? Um, particularly recently, there's been a lot about the spelling of rain with everything that has been going on in the royal family. So does rain have a G or not have a G? There are different options for these words. But what I call confusables also encompasses words that people use as almost interchangeable, but they do have subtly different meanings. And those are things like poisonous and venomous, imply and infer. People often confuse acute and chronic, um, contagious and what's the other one? Contagious and infectious and um, that sort of thing. So it can be words that sound the same, homonyms and homophones, and it can be words that are just often used as interchangeable when they're actually not. So we're, what we're actually going to talk about is how you make a, a best-selling book, but I'm very intrigued by the little book of Confusables, which does appeal to the pedant in me, I have to say. So <laughs> what made you come up with the idea? Well, I've been sharing my own spelling tips, calling them hashtag confusables on social media since 2016, would you believe? And I've always had such an incredible amount of feedback from those with people saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm never going to forget that again, because the difference in the Little Book of Confusables and other language reference books is that those reference books and websites are great for looking things up, but they don't necessarily teach you memorable, fun ways to remember the difference between the two similar words. So yeah, the reason I decided to um, put them all together in one place, I actually had the idea way back when I first started um, sharing them on social media. And I went to speak to somebody locally who was a self-published author about the process of self-publishing. She terrified me. <laughs> I came away from that meeting thinking, oh my gosh, this is not for me. This sounds so complicated and time consuming. And I just put it on the back burner. And then a couple of years after having such a successful launch for survival skills for freelancers. I mean, that book is sold in 22 countries worldwide that I know of. I mean, there may well be others. And it's helped thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners get more enjoyment from self-employment. So I guess the time had come for me to think about doing a second book. And we all know about the tricky second book syndrome. And I just let go of the idea of writing a follow-up book for freelancers and self-employment. And I thought, do you know what? I'll resurrect my original idea because I had been collecting all these similar words together in a document for years and years. And um, 
you can imagine over kind of 30 years of working with words as a copywriter and and that is in-house agency side and now 23 years as a freelancer I've worked with so many smart people who genuinely don't find language that intuitive so the subtitle of the book is simple spelling and usage tips to help smart people avoid stupid mistakes and that I think is what is the difference. It's not a book for people who are, oh, I'm terrible at language. It'll help those people too, of course. But this is for people who think, do you know what? I'm pretty good at language. A lot of the people who have already read it and left, I think I'm up to about 75 star reviews on Amazon within a month of launch, which I'm really delighted with. It's been people who said, do you know what? I bought this book because I'm a fellow copywriter. I wanted to support Sarah because I think she's done an amazing thing. I didn't really expect to be able to need to use it, but I've started flicking through and it's amazing and I'm absolutely blown away by how much I've learned. So it's it's really surprised people. That was a very long-winded answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. It's lovely because I wanted to ask how you developed the idea and, and, and you, you've given that very clearly. So you said that you spoke to somebody who was self-published and it terrified you. And I think, to be fair, that's probably how most of us feel about the idea of self-publishing. You know, where on <laughs> earth do I start? So yeah. where do you start? What did you do? And, it, and what's lovely is that you've done this not only twice, but you've done it so recently. So what did you mm. actually do? What are the steps you have to go through? Well, I think the steps are done in a different order, depending on, um, you, I think you have to follow your own personal strengths. And with me, the, the, the two times I've written a book, I've done it because I have got the energy for it. I'm very driven by following the energy as and when it arises, because there's no point trying to write a book if you feel it's a slog. If you've done the whole, do you know, Daniel Priestley's Key Person of Influence, I listened to that as an audiobook about 18 months after I had released Survival Skills for Freelancers. And I realized that what he was um, suggesting would happen if you wrote a book about your business had kind of naturally evolved <laughs> and I'd kind of followed his method without actually realizing but I know that if I had been told I had to write a book to position myself as a thought leader in my field that that just that does not inspire me I don't want to do that I write books because I want to help people so my driver and I would recommend if anybody is thinking of self-publishing a book, have a driver that really genuinely motivates and inspires you. Because if you have that, you're halfway there. Know why you're doing it. Bit of Simon Sinek. <laughs> know your why. Because if you know your target audience and you imagine that you're writing that book for just one person, an audience of one person who is really struggling with a certain element. With Survival Skills for Freelancers, it was very much wanting to focus on how people tackle the the emotional and the mental challenges of self-employment, because there are so many books out there about self-employment that really don't tackle those challenges, things like imposter syndrome, when to say no, the importance of boundaries, the importance of taking care of your mental health and well-being. And those things are so vital. So if you have the dream reader in mind, just the same as you'd have a dream client in mind when you're writing for your business, 
that will help you and motivate you to create the full book. I have to say it was much easier for me because I, I write for a living. So the writing process is easy. The editing process with survival skills was easy. The editing process with this being a book about language was so difficult <laughs> because I I literally, um, I actually, side story, I actually worked with my son on this. He has, as of a week ago, started university studying English and creative writing and when I first talked to him about the idea for the book he said mum can I help you with that and I was like yes yes you can because with survival skills I did absolutely everything myself apart from the layout and the cover design but it's a lot it's such a lot to do on your own it really is and with this book it was fantastic he taught himself InDesign and did all the layout and the layout is beautiful it's just it's typographically gorgeous it's not a boring reference book it's a book that is a joy to flick through because it's so beautiful looking so I got a professional designer to create the layout my son did the layout but because he is such a language nerd like me every time I came up with a suggestion for how people can remember the difference between these two words I'd run it past him so he was my sounding board and I think as a result I've had a lot of people say I bought this I loved it but it keeps blooming well disappearing because my 17 year old keeps pinching it for their A-level coursework or whatever it is so I've had a lot of people feedback saying that it's relevant for a younger audience as well so you've obviously you've had an idea you've sat down and written it with your energy which I, I think is wonderful do you write it in this white heat of energy or is it actually that it's it you know, there are peaks and troughs. Um, well, there have very much been peaks and troughs this time because I've been balancing it with client work. That was the huge mistake I made. And I think this is something for everybody to look out for. Don't prioritise writing a book above everything else because my income the year I published Survival Skills absolutely plummeted because I took my eye off the ball with my client work. Um, so yeah, following the energy is great as long as it doesn't mean that you have no income. <laughs> we all have to be practical. So this time around, I did right in the white heat of energy as you as you described it so beautifully but then I had to perhaps pause for two weeks while I was working on a big deadline for a client which made the stop starting very very much more difficult than the previous book so there are certain steps that you have to go through you have to immerse yourself if you want to self-publish you have to immerse yourself in the world of KDP which is Kindle Direct Publishing which is what Amazon use if you want to publish on Amazon. I follow a particular um, guy on YouTube and just ab just just absorbed all his videos uh, and learned everything I possibly could first time round. So second time round, the process of learning KDP and the way you have the things you have to fulfill to publish on Amazon was easier, but you certainly need to put in upfront time to learn that so you know what you're dealing with. Once um, you have the idea for the book, then yeah, if you don't have the energy, I would suggest a lot of people say to themselves, I'm going to write 500 words a day or a thousand words a day with an end goal of 
30,000 words, perhaps 50,000, 60,000 if it's a novel. And um, that's perhaps a more methodical way of doing it. That doesn't work for me. I have to, I have to <laughs> throw myself into it. It's, it's all or nothing, <laughs> very much so. But certainly something that I would recommend really early on in the process is to start thinking about what the book is physically going to look like. So engage a cover designer who you think understands your aims and goals for the book, what you're trying to achieve. And if you can get the cover designed early on, it can help to really motivate you when you feel that the motivation is gone <laughs> when the energy That's abandons a really, you. Really interesting idea. I get intrigued. You said a cover designer. Does that mean do all designers do covers, or are there specific no. people that actually specialise? No, and I, I must say, I didn't realise this when I first worked on survival skills for freelancers. And in all honesty, both of my cover designers are not cover designers. They're graphic designers who I have worked with for many years. I have big time no like and trust with them, and I really, really trusted them to come up with something that would fit what I had envisaged. But that said, I had very strong visual ideas for what I wanted my two covers to look like. So all it was, was I kind of sketched it out and they they made it reality in a, in a nutshell and added kind of tweaks of creativity that I never would have thought of. Like, for example, the... Um, the headline, the, the cover of Little Book of Confusables, the word confusables is written with a, a backward S. So it sort of signifies that something's wrong with the word. And I would never have come up with that. So having that cover design is one thing that can certainly help to motivate you. It can also help to admit publicly that you're writing a book because then there is a certain level of accountability and I find yes, I accountability is very necessary. Uh, as a person with several drafts of various things in, in sitting sort of probably probably next to me in fact I do get that one that actually having accountability is really really important. Yeah yeah it certainly is so if you if you felt confident enough if you've got an idea and you're confident enough in your idea to announce it on social media perhaps do a little video announcement and then pin it as your pin post on twitter then that is about as accountable as you can get and that really helps <laughs> that sounds terrifying okay <laughs> um, so you've got your cover design and obviously you talked about getting an internal design what else? Because I think sitting, you know, sitting as a as a you know, as somebody who has published, but only I think well, books, getting the design right. There's other things you have to do. Yeah, there's so much, and uh, I, I've thought long and hard about um, writing a blog about this at some point, but it's it's just not high enough up the priority list at the moment. And I think also what happens, it's a little bit like giving birth. I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but you, you forget the pain immediately afterwards. <laughs> so there are certain elements that perhaps were more, more troublesome that I've kind of gone, okay, yeah, we're just going to park that until it, mm -hmm. if there should ever be a third book, then it will all no doubt come flooding back to me. There are certain practical things like you need to, um, you need to order your ISBNs um, from Nielsen and barcodes 
if you're um, planning on publishing anywhere else other than Amazon, because Amazon will actually provide a barcode. I, I must confess, I didn't realize that I bought my own. Um, but that's great because I've got some copies that I sell privately because not everybody wants to buy from Amazon. So that's that's useful. Um, one very niche specific tip if people like specifics is Nielsen charge can't remember because when I first bought the first one, it was a long time ago, but I think they charge about £89 for one ISBN and something like 119 for 10 And when I wrote Survival Skills for Freelancers, I had no intention of ever writing another book. But what Brilliant. I didn't realise is that you need a different ISBN for audiobook and for uh, ebook. So you right away with one title you need. Oh, and also I have a hardback now of survival skills. So right there, that is four different ISBNs. And then I've got a new one for Little Book of Confusables in paperback and another for Little Book of Confusables in Kindle. So that's six. So I'm glad I went for the package. I'm somebody who cannot, I cannot avoid a deal. I can't say no to a deal. So I bought the package whether I, you know, not, not realizing I'd ever need the remaining nine, but I'm really glad I did. So that's great. And I, I love the specifics. Specifics are great. So you get through, you produce your book, um, you load it up onto Amazon, I assume, or perhaps they do it for you. Then you've got to go out and promote it. You're shaking yeah, that, your head at me. So they yeah. obviously don't do that. No, they don't, they don't do anything for you. You've got to do it all. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously I've skipped steps. There are things like I, I would very strongly recommend creating a landing page for the book um, really early on so that you can start to build your audience. You can start to get signups of people who are interested. It's a little bit like a proof of concept thing, I suppose. Um, but yeah, when you've done the writing, then there's numerous stages of editing. There are numerous stages of proofreading and once the book is uploaded yeah I mean the hard work really as far as I'm concerned the hard work in terms of promotion publicity marketing that all starts way before you actually launch the book with getting together um, some people call it a street team some people call it a launch team beta readers whatever you want to call it I um, gathered together a number of trusted colleagues who were interested, who had expressed an interest in the concept of the book way back when I first started talking about it. And they were um, brought in to kind of give me any feedback on the initial concept and really just to kind of get a an early copy, an early Kindle copy of the book in kind of PDF format to have a look through and get some excitement around it and actually see and go, oh, wow, so this is how you've done it. This is how it's coming to life. And those people then were naturally fired up to post on social media when the book came out. They helped me spread the word about the launch. So I have, I think the last time I counted over 30,000 followers on social media, but not everybody is engaged at every one time. We know how hard it is to get a post to actually stick and gain traction on social media. It's getting people on board, getting the buy-in from people who work with words or people who are into your subject and, and therefore they can help spread the word and they want to spread the word among their own communities and their own social media audiences. And that's so helpful, like really not to be underestimated. 
I mean, I, I know because you, you reached out to me and you obviously you're also sitting there, presumably then doing your own reaching out to people going, hey, guys, I've got a new a new book. So mm. how difficult is that to do? Because it's actually quite hard to market yourself, I, I find. Yeah, it, it, it really is hard to market yourself. Um, that I thought was was actually a really good idea. Um, what what you're what you're referring to is I decided that I would email every podcast. I'd appeared on sixty podcasts since publishing Survival Skills for Freelancers, and every one of those podcasts has show notes. And I just thought I'll contact all the podcast hosts and ask them if they wouldn't mind updating their show notes to include the new book, because I do get people still emailing me and connecting on social media saying I've just listened to your podcast episode that you recorded two years ago so it's it's useful to get those updates and a couple of people came back to me as you kindly did and said I'd love to talk to you again for the podcast so now I've got all these backlinks out there so it's kind of thinking outside the box with the marketing but all that stuff takes so much time. All the newsletter marketing, that all takes time. I had a, a huge email sequence that went out to my launch team, to the people who had signed up from my landing page that I've just referred to. I've it, It's it, it's a full-time job. If you let it be, it is a full-time job. And coming back to your point about a lot of people feeling uncomfortable about marketing themselves. For me, I would struggle. I mean, I'm very fortunate in that I've been a freelance copywriter for 23 years now. I don't need to market my copywriting. I get all my clients through word of mouth and through the the evergreen content marketing that I've I've done and I and I keep updated. But with my books, I was marketing my books because I know that they help people I know that they're an incredibly powerful tool for the people who have invested in them I mean this one is just Little Book of Confusables is currently selling on Amazon for £10 and four pence it's the best £10 you would spend all month if you bought a copy because you don't realize how many of these words you've been using wrong your whole life I mean I used a external editor for a final, final pass, just in case there was anything I'd missed. And of course there was, I was too close to it. And she said, do you know what? Every sub-editor should have a copy of this book on their desk. She said, she has been a an editor, copy editor and a journalist for 30 years. She said, there are at least half a dozen things I've been writing wrong my whole life. And we don't look them up, do we? Because we think we know them. So yeah, so back to your point, I marketed the book, I didn't market me. <laughs> I love that. That's a really good, interesting way of, of uh, rounding this off. Sarah Townsend, um, best-selling author, and I will remind people that it's the Survival Skills for Freelancers and the Little Book of Confusables. Thank you very much for an overview of what it's like to come up with an idea. And I think lots of us think we have a book in us and then actually sort of to have uh, explain how you, you use the energy and actually push it through to becoming a bestseller. But good luck with the rest of the book launch. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you.